Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. We thank God for the opportunity we have as we journey through His Word, our quest to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We have actually covered a lot of um, books of the Bible here in church. Uh, from Genesis now we are in Judges, but we've covered other prophets um, in between and all the Gospels actually and many of these letters. We have pretty much covered them. But we thank God where uh, we find ourselves today, the episode of Peter, the second one. Second Peter, uh, chapter one. It is not a very long um, letter that he wrote. The short one, so we'll have a, a series. The whole book, I'll just, you know, title it, uh, Growing in the Fundamentals. Growing in the fundamentals. And today we begin part one. And part one would be the way to godliness has been provided. We'll cover verses one to 11 today. So when the apostle is writing this um, last letter, the second Peter is a, is a little book with a whole lot of passion. It feels intense, but that is to be ex ex expected when the apostolic pillar of the early church pens his very last word. He was just about to die, or he was in his very last days. He was old and as he's writing this, it becomes an intimate letter. It becomes um, a dear concern. You know, people, people value these last words that they hear from their loved ones when they're about to die. <laughs> you know, you might remember many things, but the ones that will stick are those that you heard the very last time. Like, no, when Muse was about to, this is what he said we have to do, you know. And people hold those kind of stuff so dear. So he, he was really in his last word. Peter knows for sure he's about to die. So he carefully crafts this farewell speech to the churches in Asia, Asia Minor. He wants his final exhortation and warnings to be recorded and preserved in order to serve as a memorial of his teaching for future generations, which include our generation today. And I think you'll discover that in this message, it's a timely as it was written then. It's very timely for us today. In chapter 1, Peter challenges the believers to never stop growing in the godliness of God and to be like Christ and to adapt these qualities that he will mention to us. Then in chapter 2 and 3, he reminds us about the corrupt teachers who are denying the return of Jesus and the final judgment in order to justify their moral behavior. Their combined skepticism of Jesus' return with their love of sin without consequences was all too convenient for them. They could reject biblical authority to get rich by teaching a false message of Christian freedom 
and have lots of casual sex, all without fear of accountability and judgment. Peter wasn't having any of this. He condemns them in chapter 2, reminding his readers of God's certain judgment of wickedness. To his case, he follows a rabbinic formula of proof, which moves from a minor to a major premise. And this is how it goes. If A is true, how more so is B? And using that formula, he pulls from the notorious events in biblical history to knock out this idea that if God, if A, God does, did not spare the angels, the fallen angels of the ancient times in Noah's day or Sodom and Gomorrah, then B, how much more will he bring sudden judgment on false teachers who claim to be Christian but reject the truth? So if God did not spare them in the time past, what makes you think he will not bring judgment to these false teachers who are deceiving the church now? And he continues to be intimate as he is exhorting them and he's full of reminding them and also making a case because these false teachers, they were, they were teaching part of the New Testament and uh, bringing the uh, Old Testament to these people so that everyone, everything is merged so that they accept everything. You can be a Christian and still, you know, go about doing what you like. And they taught these people that whatever you do in the body doesn't really matter. God looks at the heart, right? And we've said that many times, that God, God looks at the heart. Don't mind what is happening outside. And they brought this to the church, and it was really growing. And people would indulge in sexual immorality because they say what happens in the body does not affect the spirit. But that was not the case. And they rejected the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as he starts here, in verses 1, the Simon Peter a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is very important what is uh, writing in these three verses for us to understand. He's mentioned Jesus three times as Lord and Savior because there were a lot of these false teachers who they tried to teach but they denied thereof the power of Jesus Christ. They denied the power of Jesus Christ. We have so many people in the world today, if we start speaking about God in general, you'll have a bigger crowd because many people have their own gods. The, 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 the images that they think this is the real God. But when you are narrowing it to Jesus Christ, our Lord, then your crowd begins to be thin. It begins to be, begins to be smaller. Why? Because they do not like the idea of Jesus Christ being God and being a savior. He's making a case 
and also affirming his apostleship. He's saying, Simon Peter, a bond servant, a slave, a slave of who? Of Jesus Christ. He was not forced to be a slave, but he is a willing slave of Jesus Christ. That means he's given his life to be guided by the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder who guides your life. I wonder who leads your life this morning. Many people would say they are Christians, they are believers. But the things or the people who guide or lead their lives, it's not Jesus Christ. A born servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not a liar. He was not, he didn't call himself to this. The Lord Jesus Christ himself called him. And to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, he mentioned this beautiful word. He says, those who have obtained this precious faith. This precious faith is not found in any other religion that you have a God and you have a Savior who left the throne to come and die for you, to come and deliver you from the bondage of the enemy, that those who didn't deserve to be reunited to God are now the children of God. They can now enjoy the warm fellowship with God one more time. Why? Because our Lord Jesus brought us this precious faith. Those who have also received the righteousness of God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, whatever we have received, if we'll credit it to God, then we are on the right track if we credit it to what we have done with our own strength, then we're only puffing ourselves and we are a proud people. We learned last week from his word, he says, he will resist the proud but gives grace to the humble. So therefore do what? Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God that in due time he will lift you up. Again, he says here, grace and peace. Even the Apostle Paul, when he's writing his letters, he's always saying grace and peace. It is not peace and grace because you cannot receive God's peace without the grace of God. The grace of God appeared to us first, and we are saved by faith through the grace of God, and that is the grace that gives us peace, that even in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of all this trouble, he's writing to the troubled people, say, in the middle of all these things, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not just being multiplied because it's something that can be crafted, something that can be made. All of us who are Christian, we know that as we are growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then the peace of God in us and with us grows. 
That the things that used to trouble you before, they no longer trouble you because of what? You know that God is in control, not you. If you're still in charge, if you're still in control, that is a problem. But if God is indeed in control of your life, you will experience this peace. Peace that Paul writes and says that it surpasses human understanding. And this peace will reign over your lives. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue and by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious what? Promises again, he says. That through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, or brotherly love, and to brotherly love, add love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you, to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very important. A few notes for us to remember that as we wait we should be a people who are growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? It is by adding to our faith what? Virtue. And that is the moral excellence with consistency. For example, I would say that my hot shower is virtuous. Why? Because every day it consistently gives me hot water. When it ceases doing that, it ceases to be virtuous because its consistency has ceased. I will, I will only look at it, and it can give water, but not the water that I desire for a warm bath. It ceases to be virtuous. That is the moral excellence that has consistency. You have to be consistent in what you do for Christ. And to virtue, he said, you add what? Knowledge. That is becoming acquainted with. Okay? Becoming acquainted with our Lord Jesus Christ. 
becoming acquainted with his suffering, becoming acquainted with basically the total life of Jesus Christ. Knowledge, to know. And this word has a lot of many other ex- explanation or um, understanding. To the Hebrew people, as we read in Genesis, that Adam knew his wife and they begot a son. It was very intimate. Knowledge that surpasses that, the, the, the word that we speak. It has a lot of attachment with it that comes. That when you say, in those times when you say, hey, I know, I have known my wife, they would really pick it up and, and they would know what you mean. Today, people will just use it for the sake of using it. Like, hey, I know that guy. I, I, I know the governor. But do you really know him? You probably don't. You have just seen him. You have heard him talk. Probably one you know, event happened and you were there and you greeted him as any other person. You do not know him. There is no intimacy. There is no knowledge beyond the words you say. But when we say we know Jesus, what do we really mean? What do you really mean? You say you know Jesus. You know God. Yes, we have many people who know about God, but they really don't know God. They know stories about the things that have happened. They know that he healed the lepers. They know that, you know, he's a God who helped David to kill Goliath. He's a God who saved the children of Israel from the slavery. They know all this story, but this God has never done anything in their lives. There's no knowledge. There's no intimate knowledge about God in their lives. It is my one prayer that that is not you who only know it by the words of mouth. Becoming acquainted with. Then to knowledge you add self-control. And that is the art of mastering one's desire, especially sensual desires. And this is a big thing in the Bible. All the writers of the Bible, they speak about this. When they mention self-control, the primary understanding is for us to tame our desires and especially sensual desires. Because if we don't, they quickly will bring us down. Sometimes we don't see them. Sometimes we assume them. And many of the times we entertain them. We entertain them. Why? Because we like them. We like these desires. You see some people and your mind promises you that you like them and you just want to hang around them. And little did you know that you'll start to entertain the things you shouldn't. And he's saying to us, to knowledge, add what? Self-control. <laughs> he's writing to the people in church, you and I, and he's telling us to control ourselves because it is a big deal. It is a big deal. You will pray, that is awesome. You will fast, that is awesome. But trust me, you can come out of a prayer mountain and if you cannot control yourself, you'll give yourself to adultery and sexual immorality as soon as you are from the prayer mountain. Do not despise these things. When you see them from afar, run away from them. Run. Don't think you're strong. Run. To knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. 
And that is a patience endurance. As you're waiting or holding fast to. And what are you holding fast to? The precious faith that you have received from our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you to hold fast to? Because we shall study that in the next chapters, that there are people who have come into the church to take us away from the precious faith we have received from our Lord Jesus Christ. Be warned. Be warned. Hold fast to that which you have received. And to perseverance you add godliness. That is piety towards God or reverence towards God. Only God is to be revered. Only God is to be honored in every aspect of our lives. People love titles like reverend, reverend so-and-so, reverend so-and-so. The only one who is to be revered is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who deserves those titles. And he never actually mentioned all these titles for himself. He was humble, lowly, and we ought to learn from him at godliness. At godliness. And to godliness, brotherly love. There is a love for a brother and a sister. Let us love as we would love our brothers and sisters. You know those people who are born with you in the same family? <laughs> there's, there's nothing you can do about it. If they annoy you, they annoy you and they don't go nowhere. <laughs> they are your brothers and they are your sisters. You get mad at them, you come back home and they are your sisters. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. And we have a choice in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that you choose to love people either as your enemies or as your brothers. Which one do you choose? <laughs> it still stands that we ought to love. But I want to love people as my brothers and sisters. That is more intimate. A brother or a sister, they'll be upfront with you. They'll be real with you. When they see something ain't right, they'll tell you. Why? Because there's nowhere you'll take them. <laughs> they remain to be your sisters. They remain to be your brothers. And to brotherly love, you add what? Love. <laughs> to brotherly love, you add what? Agape. And this kind of crowns it all. That all these things, you add agape. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. What a love that drove the maker of the earth to be nailed on the tree for you and I. What a love that made him to be despised by the own people he made for the sake of you and I. And still, he did not give up on us. John writes and says that he came to his own people, but they denied him. What a love. A love that is unconditioned. He loved us dearly. Before we even knew him, he loved us. 
That is why even before we were born again, we knew this for a fact, that he was always at the door knocking. We pushed him away for quite a long time. But he never gave up on us. Savior of the world, but the world denied him. He came to redeem us, but we tried to fight him again. Jesus has given us everything we need. But we are responsible on how we use his provision. He's given us everything that pertains to godliness has been provided for us. But we are responsible on how we use it. Do I want to use the gospel to gain money quickly? Do I want to use it to deceive people? Because the primary reason why people would use it wrongly is because they want to gain something, especially money. Money, fame, women, and men, and all these things, the desires of the eyes. When we talk to people about God, in a broader sense, they stick around. You narrow it to the nitty-gritties of the things our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to add to faith. People run away because they don't want to be virtuous people. They don't want the knowledge of Jesus Christ to, to abound. They don't want to be self-controlled. They, they want to do whatever they want. They don't want to be patient. They don't want to uh, honor God with their lives. Brotherly love has disappeared. They don't love anymore. I have three points that I want us to take home today. Number one, that our faith is not achieved, but received. Our faith is not achieved, but received. The, the, there's no point that we'll ever receive in this life that, you know, will kind of help us to achieve certain um, standards of godliness. That means if we want to achieve it, it's like we are going back to the Old Testament to list all these things that if I do this, I do this, I do this, then I will achieve godliness with my own strength. But we know for a fact from the scripture that we have received faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. If he never came, this was something that we would never receive. Where would we receive it from? We receive forgiveness from God. We receive salvation from Jesus Christ. Not from our own doing, not from our well-being. We, sometimes we, you know, we say, or we've had people say, that, you know, good, good people are suffering. <laughs> Why are good people dying? This person was so nice, was so good, and they just left us. I don't know this, the, 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 the standard that we use for that, to say, yeah, this person is good. You remember when that young rich man was saying to Jesus, the good master, good rabbi, what can I do to attain the kingdom? Say, so ah, you call me good. None is good except God. So if you have realized and you've noticed that I am good, then you have acknowledged the deity. You have acknowledged that I, I am indeed God. None of us is good except God. Our faith is not achieved. 
but receive. Number two, the source of our faith is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The source of our faith is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness that has been imputed to us. He writes in Isaiah and he says that our righteousness are as filthy rugs. <laughs> Think about that. Even as we are painting picture on other people and thinking, ah, they are right, they are good, they are all this kind of stuff. With our own standard, God calls it filthy rugs. The source of our faith is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We know that the only one who can do that is Jesus Christ through the sacrifice at the cross. That if we were to be nailed at the cross, our blood would have not saved us. Our blood cannot even save the tiniest animal on planet Earth. But the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ saved us on that tree that day. And then number three, the fuel of our faith is knowing God. The fuel of our faith is knowing God. After he's mentioned all these things, he says, for if these things are yours and abound, if these things are yours and they stay, if these things are yours and they are growing day by day, you will be either barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very important to say you will not be barren or unfruitful. That means this is what is expected of every one of us. That if you abound in virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and agape love, if all these things abide in you, there will be fruit. In other words. So if there is no fruit in your life, it probably means that these things do not abound in your life. And this fruit, they are things that we will see. They're not just things that are inside as we'll say, hey, he looks at the inside. <laughs> no, he looks at the total being of who you are. I mean, if he was just looking at the inside, why didn't he give us the body anyways? <laughs> what is the use of the body? Then if, he, if he's only mindful of the inside and that is what we take, then we'll turn to be receiving this other gospel that the false teachers were teaching. That he's only mindful in the inside. You believe in Jesus Christ, yes. You believe in the baptism, yes then that is fine. Then you can go on and enjoy life because this Jesus that is supposed to, he's not coming anytime soon. So get busy. Do whatever you want in the flesh. No. You say, if these things are bound then you'll never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll not be what? Unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means you will not be deceived by other people because you know Christ and you know what he says. 
You know what he's told you to do. And that kind of gives me peace. It gives me assurance that when I read his word and I see something that is off, someone is trying to tell me, I'll be very quick to know that this is not from God. And that is why every believer, everyone who is born again, we ought to have a basic discernment to know that which is from God and that which is not from God. If you know that which is from God, it would be easy to know that which is not from God. If you've hung around my life for a long time, you will know the things I, I like, the things I dislike, how my life is, it will be open to you. You will know my strength, my weaknesses. You will know them. So that when anything comes, perhaps you'll be able to defend my case. That is why if a lawyer wants to defend someone's case and you bring them in, they'll ask you a lot of questions. They'll ask you a lot of questions to get an idea of what happened. Did you really do it? What happened? Why is this said? Why is this hate? You know, we have a CCTV footage of you being in this place. So why are you denying that you didn't do this? You know, they'll ask all sorts of questions to verify if the information is true. And the good thing about the Bible is I don't have to defend what God has written. What I need to do is to speak it out, and God himself will defend his word. God himself will drive it into people's hearts. Our faith is not achieved, but received. The source of our faith is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the fuel of our faith is knowing God. Knowing God. Or if all these things abound, you will not be unfruitful. That means you, there will be fruit that will come after you have known these things. For he who lacks these things, the Bible says, is what? Short-sighted. <laughs> they don't see far. They don't see far. They are deceived. The enemy is on their way. The enemy has painted a picture of something that they liked, and the enemy has stood in front of them so that the future of what is to come for the children of God is apart from them. Say so they are short-sighted even to blindness and they have forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He's speaking to the people who are in church, the people who are then in church and us who are in church today. That if there is no fruit in you, perhaps you have been blinded by the enemy and you have forsaken the things you received. You have, you have ceased from doing what you received. You have forgotten that your sins were, forgotten, were forgiven. Therefore, brethren, even be more diligent to make your call and your election sure. By doing what? Whatever we have mentioned, from virtue to agape. Make it sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And that's why I said everything that pertains to godliness has been provided for us. Has been for, provided for us. 
If you do all these things, you will never stumble. As I bring the worship team to come, I want you to think. Assume this, not even assume, this is God's word, and it is written for you and I. Where do I stand in terms of my knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? What do I know? If someone would, you know, stop me on the road and ask me, hey, what, what things do, did Jesus mention about marriage? What does, you know, three or five things that the Bible says about relationship, that the Bible says about false teachers, that the Bible says about forgiveness, that the Bible says about these issues and these issues and this issue. What would be your response? What will you say? Be aware, lest you fall from your steadfastness. He says also in chapter 3, verses 17, that you therefore, beloved, since you were, since you know this beforehand, be aware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Don't say you, you're holding fast, but you, 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 you're having your own ideas of what you think the Bible says. Do not error like these false teachers do, deceiving themselves. Do not fall in the trap of your own steadfastness, of your own righteousness. Because every one of us, we have our own form of righteousness. That this is what I think is godly, so I'm going to do it. I'm, I, I'm not, not in regard to what the Bible says, but I think this is awesome. I'm going to do this. I think this is good for me. I'm going to do this. But is that what the Bible says you do? Because the Bible is very straightforward. He says, oh, the drunkards and the adulterers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God, period. Why do I want to indulge? He said, well, let me just do it today. I will repent, you know, tomorrow I'll be a different person. Or I will, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, they drink and they go to these places. I'll just have a Coke. Or I'll do crest. I'll do crest. Little by little, you'll start to add not self-control and patience, but you'll add a glass of wine and attention from this woman, from this man. Not from your own steadfastness, but let us remember that the fuel of our faith is knowing God. Not knowing about the things he's done to other people, that is fine, but intimate knowledge of you and your Lord Jesus Christ. If I say I know him, what do I really mean? What do I really mean? If these things are yours and abound, then you will not be unfruitful and you will not stumble. You will not stumble.
because the Spirit of God will quicken you to understand things. The Spirit of God will quicken you to see the works of the flesh from a distance and shun them and run away from them. And these things are not mentioned to us so that we are not scared. We are scared that we, we, we can't do all these things. The good news is we have the Holy Spirit with us who is teaching us God's word, teaching us his word daily. Teaching us his word daily. May we be a people who will diligently seek after God to know him more and more. And after we have known him, to make him known to the rest of the world. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is alive. We thank you for your word that drives deep into our hearts. You know the condition of our hearts. You know the things that are happening with us. And we ask that you would help us, Lord, to know you more and more as we go through your word that the knowledge of your son Jesus Christ will abound plentifully in our lives. That when these things abound, as your word tells us, that we will not stumble. None of us wants to stumble. None of us wants to go the way of the enemy. We ask your Holy Spirit to help us. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718 0-1-2-4-9-6. See you next time.